0: I'm Justin Charity.
1: I'm Kate Nibbs.
0: Welcome to Damage Control on the Channel 33 Network, a podcast where we unpack what upsets, excites, and divides us in popular culture.
1: Do you guys like going to the movies? No. All right. We both do. (laughs) But we've been arguing... Over whether MoviePass is a good deal or not for months. And this week, we're going to look at the evidence.
0: But first, once again, we're talking about Elon Musk.
1: We can't stop.
0: Uh, he's gotten himself <laughs> in trouble with his investors. He somehow got an angry rapper trapped in his house. <laughs> this week, we're going to figure out why exactly Elon Musk has come to represent everything bad about celebrity nerds in Silicon <laughs> Valley. Okay, Elon Musk is having an exceptionally bad month. His bad month begins as most bad months begin with a tweet. <laughs> it's a really strange tweet, but let's let's get into it. So here's the tweet. Am considering taking Tesla private at $420. Dollar. Funding secured. $420. Funding secured. I feel like you have to say $420, though. You gotta roll with the vibe of the tweet.
1: Because it was definitely like a weed reference,
0: right? Well, yeah. Right. We're going to get into the weird surreality of this tweet. So basically, Elon Musk is suggesting that he might take his company, Tesla, private at $420 per share. Tesla is trading now at $330 a share on NASDAQ. And the funding that he's referring to in the tweet, uh, according to the New York Times, would come in part from an arrangement he might strike with the Saudi government. Just normal stuff. Just normal stuff that no one basically but Elon Musk knew about (laughs) until Elon Musk started tweeting about potentially taking his company private, um, taking his own corporate board by surprise, and taking federal regulators by surprise. Um, He sort of created a mess. Uh, I'm going to read one. I'll read a bit of one story from the New York Times. The headline is Tesla directors do damage control after Elon Musk tweets.
1: That's the name of our podcast. Hey,
0: well, that's I mean, that's how Elon Musk ended up back in front of us again this week. (laughs) So the Times story reads, members of Tesla's board are scrambling to control a chief executive who some directors think is out of control. Uh, And it goes on. Musk has continued to post messages on Twitter publicly plotting the company's strategy and in some cases making assertions of dubious accuracy. That is only added to the chaos engulfing the struggling company. Tesla's board members are also racing to inoculate themselves from the possible fallout from Mr. Musk's public statements.
1: I love the phrase, making assertions of dubious Dubious accuracy.
0: accuracy.
1: (laughs) That's like rich people code for lying. Yeah, it's
0: weird. It's weird how much media is coming up with euphemisms for lying. And the (laughs) euphemisms always involve at least one adverb and three words Mm. that are longer than ten letters Making
1: assertions of dubious (laughs) (laughs)
0: accuracy. Elon Musk is strange to me. He's a very dramatic man. He is addicted to Twitter now, which is unfortunate.
1: I think it's kind of funny, but it's definitely unfortunate for him.
0: Yeah, it it undermines him in a lot of ways. But it's also... Here's what I want to talk about with you. Elon Musk, to my mind, is a strange figure. He's He's not Steve Jobs, right? He's not Mark Zuckerberg. He's not a tech figure who you can sort of simplistically associate with the product that we all recognize. Like Zuckerberg, the reason we talk about Zuckerberg is because Zuckerberg is the CEO and founder of Facebook. Mm -hmm. We all know what Facebook is, and we all use Facebook. Same with the late Steve Jobs, right? Like, you know what an iPhone is? Great. That's your sort of American cultural totem Mm -hmm. for understanding why you're supposed to give a shit about Steve Jobs. Elon Musk is not that. No. Like if if I'm somewhere, I mean he's basically a thought leader. Like if I have to summarize his actual corporate footprint, Elon Musk is a guy who wants to go to space, and who is drilling tunnels under Los Angeles, and he sells flamethrowers as merch in his web store.
1: I mean, he's really into hyperloops. And he's in. Don't Hyper- forget the hyperloop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, but, and then with Tesla, yeah. he he like markets. Electric cars to Republican homeowners.
1: Yeah, he's definitely like he's selling ideas more than products. Right,
0: his um, products are weird products. And yeah, his projects are weird projects.
1: I think that people have a really emo- strong emotional connection to the idea of space exploration, and for a lot of his fans, he represents the like great South African creep hope for. <laughs> <The South African.
0: laughs>
1: <laughs> For, like, the future of space exploration. I think that space, I think, I think that SpaceX more than anything else has sort of cemented his reputation or, like, because he has a crazy fan base. Like, it, that's what's so weird to me. It's like the amount of passionate support that this strange, mm, is he a billionaire? Strange, extremely rich guy has managed to gather around himself is really weird and yeah I think it's probably connected to just the idea that he represents this like possible libertarian utopia on Mars that people are really into right
0: now. Right. <laughs> I, I think it, well it seems like ha- it's ha- the space is half of it. I mm-hmm. definitely think that the just we're going to space part is essential but I think you're right. The second I think the crucial part to him having the sort of fandom he does mm-hmm. is that It's a desire to go to space coupled with uh, a very, like, bootstraps, uh, thought leader-y vibe that Elon Musk seems to be working with all the time and seems to have fashioned into being his personal narrative, you know?
1: That's so obnoxious because he's, like, not a bootstrap person at all. Like, his mom is a model and his family, like made their money in, like, the apartheid. They're, like, they have, like, a dark history. Yeah,
0: but he that's not how he talks about himself. I know. Like, he talks about, like, oh, you know, he talks about having to raise money and, I think, like, having to live in his car at one point or having to, in scare quotes. Like, he talks about himself as if that's not his background. Yeah. There's an alternate universe in which Elon Musk could be some benign, vague space visionary, and instead he is a. He's kind of got an edge to him. He's got, like you said, a libertarian edge to him. Mm -hmm. On his own, Elon Musk is a lot. Mm -hmm. Twitter is what's really fucked him up a little bit. (laughs) Like certainly this month. This is definitely
1: not a good combination.
0: He's one of those. Do you remember, I want to say first gen Twitter, where when Twitter was first popping, like 2007, right?
1: I wasn't on it actually. Oh, wow. So I don't know. Yeah. Well,
0: I'll say like, yeah. The first wave of Twitter, you basically had celebrities who obviously predate Twitter and they get on Twitter and it just totally uh, wrecks them in certain way. Like they, their relationship to Twitter just becomes such that they're maybe too oversharey or too provocative. And it, it starts to undermine their persona and make you wish that Twitter was never invented because it ruined your conception of a person. Like, Lupe Fiasco is like mm. that. Azaria M.I.A. Banks. Oh, well, Azalea Banks is a later stage, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of, like, M.I.A. and Lupe Fiasco are two people where it's just, like, the worst thing that happened to their careers was Twitter. <laughs> it was the advent of Twitter. Elon Musk is becoming... Elon Musk is a contemporary example of that, where it's just... he's. Lately, way too into Twitter to the point that, again, he's sending tweets that are generating, like, a crisis among <laughs> his, the members of his board. Um, he seems like he's in too deep. And it seems like Twitter specifically has, I think, fundamentally altered or or been one of the things to fundamentally alter, like, the media's perception of Elon Musk, Um In some fundamental way. Am I exaggerating Twitter's role and his use of Twitter's role and, like, why he just seems kind of obnoxious now?
1: I mean, I've always thought he was obnoxious, but he created a Tesla crisis by tweeting. I don't even know if most people know Elon Musk has a Twitter is the thing.
0: Even regardless, like, I get what you're saying. In a Mm -hmm. a popular sense, how many people even know Elon Musk has a Twitter account, Mm right? Right but i think from elon musk's point of view he just now spends so much time each day arguing with individual strangers <laughs> about his businesses and about other people's businesses and about uh caves in thailand you know what i mean oh like he he spends so much of his energy now micromanaging his image and micromanaging his um his, his like, public profile. And to me, it's it's unfortunate in the sense that I really just look at Musk as somebody who only really has a public profile because otherwise his business seems so um, inessential to me personally.
1: You say that, but wait till you get to Mars. Yeah, we, well, it'll be Via like a colony yeah. on Mars, too. It'll
0: be a really dystopian effect yeah. on Mars. But that's why I think about him in Twitter is because he... It's not just because he tweets recklessly, but it's because the Elon Musk project to me seems like 90, 90% a brand management project. Mm-hmm. And Twitter has sort of turned him into one of those people who can't let go of the idea that they can micromanage every single human on Earth's public perception of them.
1: Yeah, that I mean, that makes sense to me because I think his whole thing is like, I'm not a regular billionaire. I'm a cool billionaire. And his casual tweeting for, I think in his mind, it, he was like, oh, I'm going to tweet like a normal person, like, communicate with my underlings. It will be, <laughs> like, it'll be good for me. But then he's, it, it hasn't necessarily been good for him. I don't really think it's, like, image management. It's, like, blowing up his image because it's making it really clear that he's a, a kind of unstable.
0: Right. Well, so now I think we can talk about his life. Yeah. Because the the thing that Twitter's done, right, is it's kind of collapsed some of that distance between Elon Musk and people who have opinions about Elon Musk. (laughs) Yeah. And Elon Musk himself, personally, Mm -hmm. collapsed some of this distance in a weird way this week, Mm -hmm. this past weekend, by allowing... uh, It's the backstory here is, Elon Musk, as we discussed in a previous episode, is dating the musician Grimes. Yes. And Grimes apparently has like some recording space in elon's home or one of his homes and so grimes invited i guess frenemy uh recording musician rapper azalea banks to elon's home to record with her
1: this is azalea banks's side of the story although i actually i believe this side of the story just want to just want to say that
0: Establish Musk- loyalty yeah. up front. But,
1: but Musk has denied this, and yeah. Grimes hasn't said but, anything. But let's set
0: up what it is. Yeah. So, Azalea Banks, her weapon of choice in the standoff we're about to describe is Instagram. Instagram video, specifically. right? So, Azalea Banks, who's from New York, is is out at Elon Musk's house, and apparently, she's supposed to be recording with Grimes, but Grimes isn't really there consistently. Like, she keeps sort of stepping out Mm -hmm. and sometimes elon and grimes are there and other times it seems it literally seems like grimes has left town and just like not really told (laughs) azalea banks they're like oh i'll be back in like a couple days so azalea banks is in elon musk's home for several days and at one point gets on instagram and starts sharing these captions and they're they're like white text against a dark background like she's sort of sending notes from hostage captivity and azalea banks is basically saying these two people are are out of control like they're messed up they're this messed up couple elon's sending these tweets about like taking his company private but really he's only tweeting like this because he's on acid like grimes and elon are arguing about his business like basically azalea banks is is writing these Quasi covert dispatches, like a sleuth, she's just sleuthing in Elon Musk's house, and it it's not really clear when, like Elon and Grimes catch on to the fact that Azalea Banks is getting really angry because Grimes isn't actually recording with her and instead is leaving her in a strange man's home by herself. But <laughs> but basically, like Azalea yeah. Banks's dispatches suggest that Elon Musk does a lot of acid, yes. and that that habit fuels his tweets, <laughs> which I'm sure his you know, his board is not happy to hear about. No. That Elon and Grimes have a strange relationship. Uh, that Azalea and Grimes have a strange relationship because there's a point at which, like, Azalea Banks starts saying really rude things about Grimes mm-hmm. and Elon and and I, things I don't know that I should repeat on, <laughs> on this podcast.
1: She definitely Im- implied that they tried to have sex with her.
0: Yeah. There's a point at which Azalea Banks says, you know... I've been here long enough and this seems strange. I wonder in retrospect if this is a weird threesome type situation is what she says.
1: Which is very believable because like my my favorite tweet about like Elon Musk and Grimes as a couple was something about how like they definitely refer to having sex as play. And I just it it makes sense. It makes sense. I know Azalea Banks is famous for like starting shit and not really having evidence to back up her accusations towards people, but this specific circumstance, I believe her. My only like slight insight or knowledge into this is that I know that Grimes and Azalea Banks were friends in Montreal like a long time ago. Like they have they have a history of like knowing each other and making music. So it's not that surprising to me that Grimes would fly the initial invitation would be extended.
0: But it just seems to have turned into, like, a bizarre horror movie premise. Yeah. Uh, but
1: the thing is, why didn't she, like, why did she just do the text? She should have showed us Elon Musk's house. Oh, that's true. We I know. She gotten
0: some nice... Oh, that would have been really dramatic. But, <laughs> um, but I, you know, the Azalea Banks... I mean, to be clear, like, yes. On the one hand, they Grimes and Azalea Banks have a history, and that mm-hmm. explains why she's out there. On the other hand, Azalea Banks has, like you say, she also has a history of being rude to celebrities (laughs) and like turning on people that she maybe had a friendly or working relationship with Mm -hmm. Um, from Rihanna to RZA and Russell Crowe at one point. Like she has a history of sort of being the consummate Twitter sleuth (laughs) with a consummate social media sleuth, the multimedia social media sleuth. Um, And this is sort of on the one hand, this just seems like chapter two in the let's focus on Elon and Grimes dating, celebrity dating relationship saga. But to me, it's more so important in this case because Azalea has sort of lifted the curtain... like. Elon Musk is this guy who's begging to be demystified to me. And that's very much what Azalea Azalea Banks' project was Mm -hmm. being trapped in his house to be like, yeah, this is just a guy who does like a bunch of drugs and he doesn't know what he's talking about and he doesn't know how to run anything because he's a man child. And that's why he's trying to run his company from Twitter. And that's why his hero is Kanye West. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And I don't know. I just, I think that it put a lot of Elon Musk in perspective
1: it was sort of like the succession of of social media beefs because it just made being wealthy look terrible yeah
0: for sure um it's you know that meme on twitter that's like you live like this yeah. <laughs> like the whole time Azalea banks is like tweeting about elon musk's house i'm just imagining like the grossest possible house <laughs> Unfortunately,
1: yeah. My only advice to—I mean, I have advice for everyone in this situation. Like Grimes, dump him. Elon Musk, change your life and get off Twitter. And Azalea Banks, take video. Kate, okay, the
0: th- the thing I have trouble mapping out here, right, is what would what would I what would Elon Musk ideally be? Because I just look at him, and again, he's he's demystified himself with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Grimes has helped demystify him on Twitter. Azalea Banks has certainly demystified him on Instagram. And I I just look at Elon Musk or I listen to interviews with him where he just sounds sort of like a TED talk core dipshit. And I struggle to I struggle to perceive like what he would ideally be, right? As as a visionary of any sort.
1: Um, I mean, I think that he would be someone who supported the unionization of his workers for starters, but I just have trouble imagining a benevolent billionaire at all. So like I don't really have a ideal Elon Musk. I just wish there was no class of person with that amount of power
0: right And even if you even if you take it even if you I think decentralize, the idealization from just him as a billionaire mm-hmm. to even his enterprises. It's it's hard for me to understand what the it's hard for me to understand what the ambitious, benevolent, inspiring version of SpaceX even is, or Tesla even is. Because mm-hmm. they both, they, they just seem to represent like Electric the privatization. Yeah, but I yeah. get it. It's like the product, sure. But the companies themselves and the fact that they're run by who they're run by just seem to represent the this that very american idea of like the privatization of like public aspiration mm-hmm. you know um like there's something there's something just really somber in the fact that spacex exists in sort of lieu of nasa yeah <laughs> you know and that creates a weird ceiling of the imagination for me on what i'm supposed like the the sort of awe i'm supposed to feel about spacex right same I think his enterprises are sort of inherently troublesome, problematic, (laughs) as it were. But he is a pretty weird face for.
1: (laughs) I will say, I was telling you this. I want to ride a hyperloop. If Elon Musk
0: elaborate on (laughs)
1: that, please tell us about
0: that. Like, (laughs) come on, illustrate this for us. Like, I'm from. What's your dream?
1: Yeah. Okay. You know what? I will like change my entire attitude towards Elon Musk if he hyperloops the shit out of America. I my dream get in a pod and I'm in oh I'm back in Chicago in two hours amazing hyperloop he should hyperloop us
0: you're cutting ads for hyperloop on damage control I know in a segment about him there's just like an ethical thing there's just an ethical quagmire happening here I'm cutting your mic we're moving on to our next subject
1: I am not exaggerating when I say that you and I have been bickering about movie pass for it's like for like five months. Yeah. And we just did a written back and forth, which you guys can read on the ringer.com. We did it a few days ago. I've kind of changed my opinion since then, as loath as I am to admit that. Because, you know, I've always firmly believed that we should be grateful for movie nonsense business plan as long as it gave us free movie tickets or not free but cheap really cheap cheap. but recently i've been hearing all this horrible stuff about um how movie pass is making it insanely hard for users to cancel their subscriptions like after on twitter yesterday a bunch of different people were just showing me evidence of how movie pass had basically like charged them money even though they had tried to cancel their their plans so now i am coming around on the idea that movie pass is movie ass um (laughs) but i want to talk about (laughs) how we got there because so you did you subscribed to movie pass long ago in a more innocent time and were you were excited about it back then right? i mean
0: i subscribed at the peak of the hype because Mm -hmm. of the price drop and, and everything and i I subscribed. It took a while to get my card as I think a lot, it took a lot of people a long time to get their card. Yeah, I
1: think mine took like a month to arrive or something. Mine
0: mine took two weeks, Okay, I think. But I think immediate, I think a week after I got mine, I was like, uh, something about, I think I just spent so much time with the app instead. And I was like, this app seems really janky. Mm-hmm. And I, I always sort of like have an exit strategy for subscriptions where it's like, okay, like, what is it like to unsubscribe? I just remember the era of of like paid subscriptions when things were trickier on the internet, <laughs> and like it felt like the internet was always trying to scam you.
1: That still happens all the time. Yeah, no. CBS All Access. Ooh. They mm. I canceled them, <laughs> and then they kept charging me. Yeah. Like I had to cancel twice until I actually stopped getting charged. Or like
0: you remember when Spotify used? To, Spotify used to mm. be really hard to cancel. Spotify would do. They would do the thing where they would put up five different are you sure and they like some of them would look like you would cancel but in fine print it's like are you sure you want to still do this and it's, <laughs> it's um, like yes yeah <laughs> Stop. but but i i started looking clicking around in the app of like okay if i were to cancel this like what's the process for it how long would it take and I noticed that like you hit the first two buttons to go through the cancel process, and the app would just be like, "Uh, the app's broken. Check back later." And I just kept I kept trying to do it for several days, and then by the time my card came, I was just like, "Something. This is messed up." And I emailed, and I was like, "Cancel this. Yeah, like, I'm not doing this. And so I don't like this."
1: I didn't try to cancel because I was so jazzed about seeing all these movies, but that is.
0: Kate, hey, tell him how many mo- you tell him how many movies you were seeing.
1: I was seeing and how like, much money was costing you. Well, I was seeing like two a week for some some stretches of time, at least one. And so that like a um, a normal movie ticket in New York costs like sixteen bucks. It's right. insane. So I was sometimes seeing like ten movies a month for ten dollars, whereas it would have cost like one hundred and sixty. So it was a crazy deal. Are
0: you literally like Kathleen Kennedy over here. You're just like a movie mogul.
1: I love the the cinema man.
0: <laughs> so tell okay. So tell us how MoviePass yeah. changed your life. It didn't change yeah. mine because I yeah. canceled it before I could even use it. Well,
1: it, it was just it it changed going to the movies from being something I would do like once or twice a month as a fun like date night or treat to myself into just something I did all the time, and it made. It lowered the bar for, like, what movies I would see. I would just be like, sure, I'll check that out. Um, it just made made my life a little more fun. I'm also really lucky because our work is right in walking distance from, like, four movie theaters. So it was really easy for me to just go to a movie after work or um, just one time uh, during work.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I thought it was such a great... Deal. I know. I knew it didn't make sense because I was like, "Why am I getting all these movie tickets for ten dollars?" Right. But I was willing to look past the fact that like the user interface sucked, and and I had heard that there were people like a lot of problems with with the app. I didn't really have any, but I looked past that because I was like, "I'm saving so much money, and I'm becoming a cinephile."
0: (laughs) Right. So we'll talk about the. The problems that arise in mm-hmm. a second. But first, I want to say, like, you, you talked about, oh, looking past this sort of fundamental illogic of, like, I'm getting all of these movies for $10 a month. How mm-hmm. does that make sense? How does it make sense? Like, let's try to make some sense of it. It didn't. It didn't. Like didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the short answer. But is.
1: one of the, like, they were trying to do a few different things with the business. They were trying to sort of convince, like movie companies or whatever I don't know (laughs) that's not the official name but they were trying to get like advertising partnerships then they were also like taking our data and like our location data what kind of movies we saw our demographic data and selling it which is very creepy like for privacy it's not good but at this point in my life if I can see like a shitload of movies for free I'm my privacy is already so screwed up on the internet, anyways. I was willing to make. I was, I I read all these articles about how like MoviePass was was bad for privacy, and I was like, I don't care. Which I, this probably says something to my skewed priorities, but
0: no, it says something about the state of millennials' relationship to technology. Yeah. Really, it's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, how many years deep into Facebook are we? Like, I think we we are. We we came up off our privacy a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um So
1: that's why I've always been really like cheering for Movie Pass. I just like love getting stuff for super cheap. <laughs> and... Right.
0: Which seems like pretty uncomplicated. Even if it doesn't totally make sense to MoviePass' as investors and doesn't make sense the long term as a business model. Seems simple enough if you're a consumer. Mm-hmm. But then like in the past several weeks, Movie Pass has been Throwing out plot twists of their subscription. Yeah.
1: And honestly, I might cancel because it's been like it's not functional anymore.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about what they've done. Yeah. So they're raising the price of Movie Pass. The monthly cost, right? From nine ninety five to fourteen ninety five.
1: Yeah. Although I got an email that mine's still nine ninety five. I'm very confused, but I can only go see three movies a month.
0: Right. They, yeah. Right. So that's the thing. They're rolling out different things, and it's not clear which, the sequence and the scheduling, because they're 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 raising the price, but they're also movie MoviePass is instituting a monthly cap of how many movies you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three. Right, as you said, it's like three movies a month. But then they're also rolling out a thing that was very much not part of the app before, which is. They're blacking out certain titles and and certain dates for when you can see movies. So, for instance, if you had tried to see uh, Black Klansman on its opening night, nah, they're not letting you do that.
1: They also were blacking out so many movies that the other, like, last Friday afternoon, I tried to go see a movie, and, like, literally the only option was Slender Man. And I was like, I don't want to see this scary movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. and it just it's not functional at the moment. I'm hoping that they can fix it cuz obviously I preferred when it was unlimited movies, but 3 movies a month for $10 in my mind that's still worthwhile if they can fix all the other stuff.
0: Wait. So one thing about the MoviePass discourse online is mm-hmm. that online has turned on MoviePass like, mm-hmm. or is slowly turning on MoviePass um, is it, <laughs> I think sometimes it's tempting to be like, is this just a bunch of people in New York and L.A. who live like in the vicinity of a bunch of movie theaters and are sort of like maybe interact with movie theaters or have a greater variety of movie theaters and striking distance than the average person. So I talked to Ringer correspondent, Her- Her- Rob Harvilla.
1: Heartland correspondent.
0: Heartland, reporting from Ohio, Rob <laughs> Harvilla. I was just talking to him about Movie Pass. And, I mean, he was reporting the same frustration. He was just saying, like, I, I literally asked him, do you use Movie Pass?" And he said, well, I did. I still have it. But nowadays, I just stare at the app in disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Harville is reporting the same problems you're having, where it's, like, very much unlike when you could just go see any movie using Movie Pass. Now it's, like, you'll look at the app and see one movie <laughs> that you can see and it's sort of take it or leave it. Um, and he was just like, yeah, there was a window – when MoviePass just worked perfectly, and it worked at that just preposterously low price point of nine ninety five a month, and now it just seems like a disaster. Um, and it, it's 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 wild how MoviePass sort of unraveled in this very short span.
1: It all happened so quickly. Yeah. That's why I was like still holding out so much hope that it would fix itself. I still have like a tiny little bit.
0: Well, it's been such a short span that yeah. we. I mean, we were. You and I literally wrote a post arguing about whether MoviePass is a bad product or not. And then, yeah, after, like, I I think right after we published it, there are these reports that come out about Mm -hmm. MoviePass literally uncanceling people's accounts and being like, we're charging you for the next billing cycle, even though you canceled your account because we're shady. Yeah, we're shady. Like, MoviePass is just, that's the weird thing. It's not just that their business model is unstable. Because I actually, I think a lot about other subscription services like this. And we can talk about the difference between MoviePass and Spotify, but just just in terms of the experience of, like, you have a web-based subscription for entertainment, and these companies are, are maybe startups, and they have growing pains. Maybe they change their price point at some point. Maybe they change their marketing. You know, I think about, uh, about Tidal. Like, Tidal, if you take the music streaming services title always seemed and seems like the jankiest one because it's the one where you know it's the one where they sort of leaned heavy on the idea that like you'll have exclusive Rihanna albums but then their sort of library is kind of weird and spotty mm-hmm. and I think and and like they have a different price point for different quality of audio one title and it's like that's to me that's the more sort of bits you're doing as a company like that, the less I want your product because it's just like, to me, the ideal product like this is to borrow a phrase, one that you can set and forget. Mm -hmm. Like that's how, that's how my Spotify works, right? It's like, I don't remember when I subscribed to Spotify, but I've literally never thought about it again because I just use Spotify and it's so seamless and it doesn't like barrel roll in front of me and be like, we're changing your subscription. We're doing this. We're, we're limiting this feature. Like, it makes it easy for me to just throw money at Spotify and not even think about it. And MoviePass is, like, the opposite of that, which is, like, <laughs> it's cheap, mm-hmm. but it also makes you think about it all the time. It makes you think about what its limitations are and what it's fucking up in a way that Spotify or Netflix doesn't make you think about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say I didn't, like, this Movie Pass. Movie MoviePass's decline happened really quickly before it I wasn't I was just like, yay, movie pass. <laughs> <You're> like <right. laughs> um and it as far as like Spotify and Netflix and all the streaming services are concerned, yeah, they're they've definitely got it figured out. The movie pass thing is like way more complicated and also just I don't know how they would ever make a profit.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> so
1: yeah. I think they're different.
0: It's such a shaky proposition that I I don't know whether to think. I mean for the longest time even music streaming seemed weird. Like I remember the period when it actually seemed weird to me as a consumer that like I want to pay $10 a month for all the music? What? Yeah.
1: And I was actually kind of late to the music streaming game cuz I lived in Canada until 3 years ago and Spotify came there much later like we did not have access to any of the streaming services for years while America did like I would hear talk of Spotify and I would be like "Ooh, that sounds so cool right. <laughs> and I couldn't like so I, I feel like when I finally got Spotify um, first of all it had worked all the kinks out yeah and second of all like every it had just become part of like the fabric of being a, a like young person in America
0: right but before that stage spotify spotify was similarly fascinating where you looked at it and you are like one it's exceptionally cheap and two you know you sort of compared it to the past before that service even existed or audio or other services like it existed where it's like i mean kate you rem- you have to remember like the the 90s and like the aughts where being a regular consumer of music meant spending like x number of dollars every time you went to the record store Mm -hmm. like it was certainly more than ten dollars a month if you were really into buying cds
1: oh yeah you know
0: like it was not like let's see i spent
1: like all of my um money from my summer job at like borders
0: (laughs) right and and spotify and title and all these other services made it relatively cheap to be a music fan and to not not even made it cheap to consume the same amount of music made it cheaper to consume way more music.
1: Although I will say, so like for me, our, I think we're the same age, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had this weird thing where I, I got used to spending money in my teens on like CDs and stuff. And then, but Napster came out and then iPods came out. I remember in college just like hoovering up all of these MP3 files from like my, there was some weird program in the dorm where you could see everyone's iTunes and take their MP3s. Do you remember this? Ooh, no, it was crazy.
0: What the hell kind of? I don't human know. Swordfish? What was this? It was
1: I don't know, but I had so many songs on my iPod. Okay. So then I was like, I don't pay for music. Like I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and there was this whole, and then like the streaming services came out, and you had to get reaccustom yourself yourself to paying for music again even though it's a ridiculously low price point i also do not support privacy or piracy As
0: you don't support privacy we established (laughs) that in the last segment you also don't don't support support, piracy
1: i don't support piracy uh
0: but but i basically what i'm saying is like movie pass it's tempting to look at it the same way where it's like you know it's made movie going or you know for the period where it was ideal and worked well Mm-hmm. it made movie going so cheap that you can't help but look at it and be like this doesn't make any sense as a business. Mm-hmm. But at the same time it feels like there are movie pass competitors, movie pass knockoffs um emerging. Yeah,
1: the AMC one um it's a little more expensive I believe. It's yeah. like uh, it's twice the cost. It's yeah. $19.99. It's That's $20. still like the price of one movie ticket anyways. And it's also like AMC seems like a more
0: like a more, well, they have a stronger fold, yeah, hold in the yeah. marketplace already of the yeah. theater going. But it's, we, it, it does feel like a weird Schrodinger situation where it's equally easy to imagine that movie passes a fluke. It was a scam of a bunch of investors and ultimately it's going to fold. And we're not, that's not, that's very much not going to be the future of movie going because it financially just doesn't add up. Or envision a future where uh, a more competent, <laughs> a better structured company comes along and makes it make sense like i can imagine both of those things in the same way that like i could imagine when spotify made no sense whatsoever and just seemed like it was it was way too advantageous to me the consumer or the alternative reality in which spotify redefined music
1: i hope there's still ways to see movies at a more reasonable price point. Because like $16 a ticket is not okay. Not not for the magic of cinema, Justin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially not if you see 30 movies a month <laughs> like Kate Nibbs. Shadow film correspondent, just... Kate Nibs.
1: <laughs> anyway, so yeah, movie pass. I'm ready to admit, I don't really see how it's going to fix itself. I'm probably going to cancel my subscription. Also, they should, if they let me. <laughs> um, but I do hope that movie passes w- will, like, inspire other businesses to, to offer discount. Movie theater packages of some kind. I also would love it if they, you know, they did that for other stuff. Like, I love going out into the world and seeing entertainment. In my ideal world, there'd be, like, a movie pass for the theater, And a movie pass for uh, sports events. And a movie pass for concerts. That's the world I want to live in.
0: Wow, you're like your own (laughs) Elon Musk type figure. Your own sort of visionary. If
1: anyone is a venture capitalist listening to this podcast, please give me money.
0: My God, I'm going to end up being your vice president (laughs) for something or other. That's giving yourself a lot of credit. That's it from us. I'm Justin Charity. I'm Kate (laughs) Nibbs. And we'll see you all again two (laughs) weeks from now. Bye.